Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey everyone, it's Pacific. And if you're hearing this, Thanks for checking out my new show. Uh, I think you guys are going to like the story quite a bunch. Uh, If you're new to Midnight Disease Productions and uh, don't know who I am, uh, even more wonderful. And thank you for tuning in. I'm not going to take up too much time talking, but I hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, consider becoming a member at midnightdisease.net slash join. There you can get access to early and ad-free versions of the episodes, as well as getting other things like uh, postcards, pins, um, a bunch of other cool little member-exclusive stuff, uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff, interviews with our cast and crew, and so much more. All of that at midnightdisease.net slash join. Or go to our show notes below and click the link that says support the show. But without further ado, out of place. I think, looking back, I'll say it started with the skull. It's not quite that simple, of course. My guess is it actually started sometime back in the history of the Carruthers Institute, long before they ever hired me as an archivist. Maybe before Professor Bert Whistle started running the place. As far as I can tell, the Institute has been around for as long as people have been digging old things out of the ground. But for me, it was the skull. I almost missed the thing entirely. I should explain a bit, I suppose. My name is Andrew. Andrew Moss. Sorry, I should have started with that. Anyway, I'm an archivist at the Carruthers Institute, which is an archaeological research organisation that feels as old as half the stuff it has on its shelves. There are lots of shelves. Mars are the bloody things. They're full of boxes of, well, just about everything. Bones, sticks, tiles, bits of 
bent metal and broken pottery. God, so much broken pottery. And it's all labelled by hand, which is a problem because there isn't much of a system for organising it all. The Institute finally got a couple of computers in so they could catalogue it digitally and make it a thousand times easier for visiting academics and students to find the exact bit of broken pottery they're looking for. Then they hired someone to input all the artefacts into the system, and that someone was me. It's a pretty good job as far as such things go, considering I only have half a history degree. There are probably plenty of history geeks who would kill to be down here breathing in thousand-year-old dust. I certainly can't complain. It's a good job. I even get to say I'm an archivist. I sit down here in the basement, typing up all the little bits of card the previous researchers used to label the artefacts. I occasionally emerge into the upper reaches of the Institute to ask Professor Birtwistle to translate the worst of the handwriting. Miss Arundel pops down a couple of times a day with tea. I make it sound quite boring, which is because it is, but it's a good job. Lots of people don't have one at all. Anyway, one day I found a package on one of the shelves in the computer room. I'd catalogued those shelves first, and I was sure it hadn't been there before. It didn't have a label, but it did have a note attached, which said, For the attention of the Carruthers Institute, signed Mr. Havisham. Havisham, like in Great Expectations. It was wrapped in brown paper. So I opened it. Looking back, I wonder if I was supposed to. Maybe it was for Professor Birtwistle. The package contained a skull. A human skull. I didn't study medicine, but I was pretty sure about that. Pale and yellowish bone. White teeth. And that huge nose hole. Until I held it in my hand, I never really appreciated how we all walk around with a a cavernous hole in the middle of our faces. I kept seeing it in people for a while after that, as if their noses had become translucent and I, I could see all the way through. I ran up the stairs. I bypassed Miss Arundel and went straight to the professor's office. He, he doesn't like to be disturbed, but I thought this was important enough to enter the old cone of silence. I held up the skull in front of me and stammered something about finding it, and he just said, must be from the project. Birtwistle is the kind of man I can't imagine existing outside a place like the Institute. I think he was born into academia. Come to think of it, I can't imagine him being born... Professor Birtwistle was never anything less than middle-aged. He looks like a shaved walrus. Then he looked at me like I just pissed on the floor of his office and said, Well, catalogue it with the others. So I did. I thought about taking it to the police. But it's not like I just found it in a bush. I guessed it must be something medical, so I sat down and catalogued it just like everything else. I typed up a description as best I could, trying to note down all the relevant features, and there were two 
things I thought particularly noteworthy, apart from the fact that it was a human skull. Uh, the first thing was the holes. There were four of them. Two in the right temple, one in the forehead, and the other in the back of the cranium. They were about five millimetres across. Apart from the one in the back of the head, they were smooth, like they'd healed over a bit. The one at the back had marks like it was drilled. They were very neat. No cracks, just holes. I looked it up. Trepanation is the act of drilling holes in your head, or more usually someone else's. It's for medical purposes, sort of. Archaeologists find human skulls with deliberately bored holes in them from the Stone Age onwards, and no one's quite sure why. It was a sort of early surgery, maybe to allow bleeding after a head injury or to let out the evil spirits that were causing a headache or something. It turns up here and there in history afterwards. Sometimes it's definitely pseudo-medical, other times it's for ritual purposes, which is the term archaeologists use when they don't know what something's for. It's for ritual purposes. In modern medicine, trepanation used to be done in a frontal lobotomy before they started doing it with an ice pick through the eye socket, and it's still done to relieve blood pressure or for brain surgery. But I didn't find any proper medical reason to drill four holes, and not in those different areas. The skull didn't have any other marks where it shouldn't, so I don't think it had ever been fractured, which is one of the main causes of bleeding on the brain that might need to be relieved. On the other hand, the skull didn't look old. It wasn't Stone Age, I was pretty sure of that. It wasn't broken or discoloured, it was complete. It looked new. Then I looked at the teeth. The skull was complete, it had its lower jaw. The teeth looked pretty good, until I looked closer and saw the second notable feature. The teeth had fillings. Not metal fillings either, the newer white ones. They only started getting widespread in the 1980s of the type I have. The teeth were straight too, the kind of straight you only get with modern dentistry. Whatever face the skull used to wear, it had a beautiful smile. I typed it all up into the computer. I wrapped the skull back up and put it on the shelf. But I could feel it. Not like it was looking at me with its big eye sockets. It was that nose hole I felt. Like it was firing a cold laser through its wrappings and through the shelving. Hitting me right between the shoulder blades. Did they still trepan people in the 1980s? Four times? Was it some type of brain surgery? Well, did some nutcase say that drilling holes in your head would cure cancer or make you smarter or bring you closer to God? I thought it was probably best to ignore it, but I couldn't. It wasn't like this was another piece of broken pot. It wasn't even that it was new or a skull, it was that it didn't make sense. I couldn't imagine how this thing might have come into being. I wondered about asking Bert Whistle about it, but that idea didn't appeal for some reason. I guessed that it would all pass. Everything does. We all get used to things that gave us the heebie-jeebies at first. Most of the time we forget them entirely. But I didn't forget the skull. Because it wasn't the last.
Out of Place was created by Ben Counter. Sound design was done by Pacific S. Obadiah. If you like this show, consider checking out other Midnight Disease productions, like The Theater of Tomorrow, The Hotel, Lake Clarity, SCP Archives, and Margaret's Garden. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.